You know, I don't kick it with or work with or take money from mm -hmm. people who don't value me. Mm. If you don't value me, then I have no reason to be in your space. Mm. And for a lot of investors, you know, I talked about this the other day, I typically don't raise a lot of money from white investors specifically because most of them don't find the value in what I'm doing. Yeah. I have to convince them that like that there's even a market, right. that there's enough black people to sell haircut products to. Right. Even though Africa has 55 countries, Nigeria alone has 200 million black people. Right. Um, South Africa has 70 million black people. Right. In, in the United States, they're like, oh, but you're niche. You're small. You know, your your audience is black. And right. when I talk to black people or black investors, they're more like, okay, well, what's the valuation? You know, right. they know there's a market. They know that we can make money. They're worried I might sell too soon. You know right. what I'm saying? That's their concern. It's like, oh, we know there's an opportunity. And so I don't take money from, don't hang around, and don't, don't be with people who just don't know my value. And so it was easier to say no to uh, Robert Herjavec when I knew he didn't know the value. Since she calling me, can't come to work. Oh, this ghetto. It's the fifth. Deadline was the first. Oh, this ghetto. Payroll do again. Pockets hurt. Oh, this ghetto. Good idea. Now we buy merch. Welcome back to another episode of the Ghetto CEO Podcast. I am so excited that you guys are here because a lot of times we learn all the things. We learn marketing, we learn operations, but we don't learn how to be a CEO. Like nobody teaches us like the behind the scenes, the horror stories, how we get sued, like all the extra, extra stuff around being an entrepreneur. And I, I literally think that we need to know these things going in so we can prepare. You only can prepare what you're aware of. So here on the Ghetto CEO podcast, we really talk about the raw, unfiltered, behind the scenes truth of what actually happens. And I'm so excited that you are here. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, leave us a comment or something so we know that you love it here, right? Also, leave us a review on all your podcast channels. But this next guest I have is literally the epitome of what a CEO is. And sometimes we're thinking in our business that we are, you know, still trying to get to six figures or we might be at seven, but let me tell you, this is the eight-figure CEO. I don't even think we have, like, enough space in the studio for, like, all of this energy that you guys are about to get. Like, this is someone that has raised million dollars, millions of dollars, is an eight-figure-plus CEO, and I'm just so excited for you guys to meet her. Welcome to the Ghetto CEO Show, Kim Lewis. First of all... I just, I love you, Kim. Like, I don't feel like you know, but you are like the ish. Like, you're tight as fuck. Okay, so <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell them who is Kim Lewis. Like, why? I don't know why they don't know you, but who is Kim Lewis? I'm Kim Lewis, CEO and co-founder of Chromix, where we help you master your curls in 21 days or our product is free via store credit. Yes. Okay, so Kim, this isn't new to you. Sets and set life. You've been on Shark Tank on who wants it, like all the things. Like, so tell them a little bit of how you got started. Chromix started as a do-it-yourself box for curly hair. So think like Blue Apron, but for hair. Our customers loved one box in particular, which is our flaxseed gel. And okay. so we pivoted our business in 2018 to focus solely on the flaxseed gel and a four-step system to help you get this hairstyle. Okay. So 
while our products do work for all kinds of hair types, the person who wants to snatch it out of my hand before I can finish telling them what we do is a black woman over 40 because she wants to wear the same hairstyle to her board meeting, to her job, to her kids soccer game, to her date night, her girls night. And so that's who we serve. Yes. Okay. So tell them how, like, how did you get to this place? Because you are like an eight-figure CEO. Y'all did 10 million last year? Yes, we did. Period. It's the black <laughs> women making money for me. That's a favorite sport I like to watch. Right. That's the only sport I watch. <laughs> so how do we get here to this $10 million company? I'm a hustler. Um, I, there's nothing I can't figure out. Yeah. And of course with my team, I've never done it by myself, but... Um, we started with, I mentioned the DIY boxes. We did that for two years. And then uh, at some point, the margins didn't make sense. Mm. The mar- so you was like in the kitchen cooking. Yeah. So literally, <laughs> we were doing the boxes okay. and I knew I needed to pivot because the margins on the boxes are 30%. Okay. But if I had done a haircut product, it would have been 80%. Mm. And so then I knew, I was like, even if I could scale this, I shouldn't because I'm literally going to lose money on it. Right. And so I was seven months pregnant um, in my kitchen making 50 different batches of flaxseed gel. Okay. And so I f- could figure out something that would be stable because I went to manufacturers, like three different ones, and they all said no. And I was just like, okay. And then my uh, advisor was like, figure it out. I was like, that's your advice? Yeah. <laughs> I got an advice. I thought you were going to yeah. have something, you know, profound right. to tell me. Well, and it was like, like, no. And it was like, <laughs> figure it out. out. And um, so I figured it out. And at the time, I think the most we'd ever done was like 15 to 17K a month in sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I we launched the flaxseed gel to our audience. And we literally sold hundreds in a matter of hours. Wow. And this was year like four or five in entrepreneurship, you wow. know. And I was like, oh, this is it. So we literally tossed out six months of boxes that we had planned, photo shoots, recipes, Everything like we were like and pivoted January 1, 2018. Okay, that first month we did about 3,000 in sales, that second month, 8,000. I was like, dang, if we can get back to like 15,000, we'll be back at our best month ever. Right, ended up doing 30,000, hadn't spent a dollar on Facebook ads, just revenue sharing with like micro influencers and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh. This is what we need to be doing. So I convinced my husband to quit his job. And he was working in tech at the time, making yeah. a couple hundred thousand dollars. I was like, come work for the business. And he was like, you got six months. You can't pay the mortgage in six months. Yeah. I'm going back to work. And that year we made a million dollars. Wow. With so a this baby was in on my hip. This is in 2018. You made your first million dollars in 2018. Yes. And then in 2019, we were on Shark Tank. Okay. Yes. And so that's why, so we got an offer from Robert Herjavec for $400,000 for 20% equity stake in the business, but we were literally going to make a million dollars that year. So it was like a bad deal. Yeah. And he knew nothing about hair. So we ended up having to turn it down. The fact that, so it's, it's so funny now, right? Because that's literally your job in the company is to go acquire funds, right? Like yeah. go and make money. But you literally had somebody like, here's $400,000. Most people would not be like, yeah, you can keep that. <laughs> Take your money. <laughs> you know? So like, what was your mindset in that time frame to be like, nah, keep your money, son? I think when we were going on the show, it was our first month hitting somewhere around like, one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars, mm. and I just saw how fast like you could get it and you could spend it. Yeah. And so it's like as much as I was excited about a four hundred thousand dollar offer, I knew I could go to an investor who would write me a million dollar check for at least at least a six or seven million dollar valuation. Right. And Robert was only doing a two million dollar valuation, and I was just like, this, this is, this, you know, you gotta. What is it? Short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. Facts. Uh, and I knew that all too well. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't want to regret 
this decision. I don't want to just do something for TV. That's not something that I actually believe in or something I would actually do or be mm -hmm. proud of going home. Because I don't like doing stuff I'm not going to be proud of at right. the end of the day. Or stuff I can't defend and be like, well, I did it, you know? Right. Um, and people, people go on Shark Tank and are happy to do that. And I was just like, that's not going to be my story. So whatever we're going to do on the show is going to be legit and real. And I think one thing that also helped is you wasn't in the season of desperation. Mm. Like, you had just made $150,000, $200,000 mm -hmm. and you like... This is nothing. Chunk change. <laughs> I don't need your money, right? Like, it's like, I need million dollar checks. And I think that if for somebody else, because somebody else is like listening to this right now and they're like, I need 400 Like, right yeah. now, you can have 70% of this, go, you know? But like, when you're in a season of desperation, you like do whatever. You know, I don't kick it with or work with or take money from mm -hmm. people who don't value me. Mm. If you don't value me, then I have no reason to be in your space. Mm. And for a lot of investors, you know, I talked about this the other day. I typically don't raise a lot of money from white investors specifically because most of them don't find the value in what I'm doing. Yeah. I have to convince them that like that there's even a market, right. that there's enough black people to sell haircut products to. Right. Even though Africa has 55 countries, Nigeria alone has 200 million black people. Right. Um, South Africa has 70 million black people. Right. In, in the United States, they're like, oh, but you're niche. You're small. You know, your your audience is black. And right. when I talk to black people or black investors, they're more like, okay, well, what's the valuation? You right. know, they know there's a market. They know that we can make money. They're worried I might sell too soon. You know right. what I'm saying? That's their concern. It's like, oh, we know there's an opportunity. And so I don't take money from, don't hang around, and don't, don't be with people who just don't know my value. And so it was easier to say no to uh, Robert Herjavec when I knew he didn't know the value. You know, I think that, okay, so we're going to go back a little bit and explain like your business model too, but I think that that's good because sometimes when we think of, and I can say even for myself, right? When I think about raising money, when I think about venture capitalism, like I immediately think about Caucasian people <laughs> and I don't necessarily, and I would say I have not always had the best experience with Caucasian people. Okay. And so I, when I say like, I just don't kind of like, except Dex, like Dex is not, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But like, but sometimes when you go in that space, they don't understand. And I hate explaining myself just period. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think like immediately when people talk, think about like raising money and like investors or whatever, you immediately think like you have to like go to the white man, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So like, how did you even like, you know, I'm not going to do that because the black investors are very limited. Like, it's not like it's a plethora. I don't know. Is it? Like, is it a lot of black investors out there? There are about 10 black VCs who raised over $100 million for their fund. Okay. But that pales in comparison to the thousands of white folks who have probably raised over $100 million for their yeah. fund. So, you know, it's it's definitely limited. Yeah. But because they're so few, you know who they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're accessible. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's possible. Um, it's not to say that I have not taken money from white people. It's not that I am... Um, against having white investors. Yeah. I want the right white investors. You just want, need to know the mission and be aligned. I need, exactly. I need to not be proving my my worth to you mm -hmm. as a person. You know, we need to be like discussing the business and the business proposition and not yeah. like, I really just don't feel like I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that's what I look for. No, that makes sense because it's like, I can't, we can't even get past this part because I got to prove that. So, you know, so I'll give you an example. So my actual first like big check uh, I turned down Robert and ended mm -hmm. up getting, um, Robert was trying to give me like a $2 million valuation. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff Weiner, former CEO of LinkedIn, 
basically called me up and was like, I want to invest a million dollars in your company. From Shark Tank. He seen you on Shark Tank. He saw me on Shark Tank. Well, technically, my first intro to him was through a black woman. Okay. Arlen Hamilton from Backstage Capital, who wrote me my very first check for 25K before anybody believed in anything. She wrote me the 25K check when I was doing the DIY boxes. Okay. Because she just saw something in me and Tim and was just like, I want to embed on y'all. Yeah. And so she's my shero. She's invested in every round that we've had. Mm. Um, But she introduced me to his partner, his investment partner. And then Jeff... After he saw us on the show, called me up, was like, hey, I want to invest a million dollars. And he was like, if we keep investing in people who look like me, it's not going to reflect what the actual world is going to look like in 50 years, you know, mm. or looks like today. And so it's like, I'll take money so from white investors. It. Exactly. The it. right white investors. Yeah. Um, the ones who know my value and my worth. Yeah. And so, okay, so let's go back a little bit, right? Because I know we kind of jumped in. Explain them to them your business model a little bit. So we are a direct-to-consumer e-commerce business. We get $10 million online, mostly our dot-com and some Amazon. And we literally have a four-step system, a shampoo, conditioner, moisturizer, and gel to help you get a great wash and go, Mm -hmm. uh, like the one I'm wearing right now. And you actually fund your business by being able to raise money. Like, how does that work? So we, well, first we had to make a million dollars before I could raise a million dollars. So Interesting. (laughs) So, and that's that's good to know because somebody's sitting there like, I ain't got no money. Mm -hmm. I could just go ask somebody for a million dollar check. So you have to make your million dollars before people even was like, let me give you some money. I know I'm a black woman. Yeah. You know, like, I know that you feel like, oh, you're taking a risk, you know, investing in me. So I knew I was going to get no money unless I was making some. Yeah. Um, But also, this is why you go work in corporate. This is why you build good credit. Credit so you can use it <laughs> to fund yeah. your business. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did. I think we amassed like 100 k in credit card debt. Yeah. That, being a CEO is ghetto. ghetto. <laughs> uh, but this is before, like, when? At what stage was the 100 k in credit card debt? Girl, it was several credit cards. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> One credit right, card. Right, It was like, you know. And this was after winning 100 k on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, you know? Um, but, you know, I married up. period okay (laughs) listen okay so now you actually raise money to be so what do you like how does this work you know somebody's like what what is raising money yeah like somebody's just giving out checks like what because sign me up yeah yeah yeah. okay okay (laughs) so raising money most people a lot of people if you're an operator you don't actually want to go to the networking events Mm -hmm. and talk to people and explain your business and say the same thing until you're blue in the face a hundred times and that is essentially fundraising Mm -hmm. like you have to know your numbers so if you're interested in fundraising i would read um uh, venture deals by brad feld okay it's like a venture bible you'll learn all the terminology it's very thick it's very difficult Mm because it's like i don't know these terms but you're going to read it two or three times if you really want to raise money right right? because otherwise you're gonna be signing contracts that you don't know what they mean right so this is the way you know what they mean so i read that i also read um angel by jason calacanis okay he was an early investor in like thumbtack and uber and um style seat but he basically talks about um investing from the angel perspective being Mm -hmm. an angel investor and if you read that as a founder then you'll know what people are looking for Mm -hmm. in your business right don't read it from the founder person don't don't read other books about that are directed towards founders read the books that are directed towards investors so you can know what What not to say exactly exactly so that was what i was doing i did that for maybe like 12 months while i was building the business and i was going to all the free accelerators and incubators in my community Mm -hmm. so 1871 in chicago um, how I met Arlen, actually, mm-hmm. uh, I saw like a Facebook post for like black and brown founders. It was like the event was like $40 and it was going to have Danielle Leslie, 
Tara Reid, mm. Arlen Hamilton, and like uh, Del Del from Code 2040 and in the basement of some tech accelerator. And this is back in 2017. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. was Arlen's very first speaking event. Nobody knew who she was. Right. Um, Danielle Leslie was doing her um, um, tasty content uh, story. She's not doing that no more. She's like kind of pivoted. She has yeah. a new vibe now. Sarah Reed was asked without code, but she was still just kind of getting off her app that she had built. Right. And I just, I actually went to see Tara and Danielle. I didn't even know Arlen at the time. Mm. And I was just like, well, I'm going to just book my flight to uh, Cali. I don't know what I'm going to experience. You know, I signed up for this women in STEM program here in Chicago. And I was just trying to g- get access to networks and people and money and things that I did not have access to. Right. I grew up poor. Um, my mom. Was but was that your father. first mindset? Like, I'm going to raise money for this company because most people just like, I'm just gonna hustle until I hustle. <laughs> I mean, I did that. I mm. did the five years of hustling and getting nowhere. Um, I did. I did the expos yeah. where I spent twelve hour days on my feet, only making a couple thousand dollars yeah. and probably losing money because the booth space itself was like fifteen hundred. Right. I did the let me try to build my own app or whatever, and be a tech founder. I did the, Mm. let me sign up for all these pitch competitions and not win any of them. Mm. And I was just like, okay, this isn't working. Mm. Um, And I actually thought about going to get, like, my MBA. I was like, I just don't know enough about business. Maybe I'll learn in school. Yeah. And then I remember Tim telling me, like, babe, like, if you're good enough, you do it, they'll invite you to teach it. Like, Mm. (laughs) you don't have to go to school for this. And you was just at... (laughs) That's cool. Okay. Yes. I was just at, um, I spoke at Kellogg for like the fourth time. Yes. And then my friend invited me to Yale and I might be speaking at MIT. So, you know, it was just a, it was a huge lesson. The so I ended up flying to Cali. So I'm sorry. I'm telling this story out of place. Mm-hmm. I ended up flying to Cali in this basement. The giveaway was $5,000 in Stripe credits. Mm. So, can you imagine? Right. Stripe just giving you $5,000. And then that's when we met Arlen. And that's when she's like, mm, I think I like what you guys are doing. You guys are really hustling. You're out here figuring it out. We're making like 15 k a month at the time. Yeah. And she was like, I think I want to invest in you guys. And I don't have the money today, but I will in six months. And that's when I met my advisor and her community and all this other stuff. And who would have known, you know, Five, six years later, I would have invested hundreds of thousands in my company by now, you know, and that right. she would have introduced me to people who could invest millions who did invest millions. Right. Um, so I just think I really believe in creating your own opportunities. And no, I didn't know I wanted to raise money. I just knew who had access to money and power and I was going to be in that room. I love that. And so it's just like I just had you keep kept failing and you just figured it out. Like, I just got to keep going, just keep pushing. So now, how much have you raised so far? Like, when did you start raising and how much have you raised? I raised about $6 million. Yes. Um, 1.2 in my seed round, which seed is like your first round. People usually call it like pre-seed, seed, series A, series B. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people get creative. Series C plus, (laughs) you can call it whatever. Uh, Silver seed, purple seed, you know, like you can call it whatever you want. Um... And then I did $4.5 million um, in equity crowdfunding. So mm-hmm. I got tired of people telling me that I didn't grow enough. So we went from like one to five million in revenue. Okay. And we weren't, we're not distributed in like a Sephora or a Walmart right, or a right. Target. So for me, I'm like one to five million on D2C in one year is dope, right? Yeah. Many investors are like, ah, oh, we want to see more. We want to see more. And I was like, what, what more, more do you, do you see? want to <laughs> see? So then I remember, okay, well, you know what? Let me get profitable. I ended up losing a lot less money, and I still grew. We got to $6 million in revenue mm-hmm. the next year. And then they were like, oh, but you were flat. And I was like, you mother... No. <laughs> no but it's like, it's never good enough. It's never good yeah. enough. And I remember thinking, okay, 
the regulation for crowdfunding changed to allow you to raise one million to five million. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, so now this is interesting. Right. I always wanted my community to own a piece of the company because mm-hmm. if there was ever a liquidity event or ever an acquisition, I'm like, oh, they should get some money too. Like they were the ones who helped build the brand. Yeah. And most consumers get nothing in a sale. Right. And and I remember them raising the limit from one to five, and I was like, this might be my chance. I was like, I got a hundred thousand customers. I was like, I could raise money for my own community instead of depending on these VCs who don't know my worth. Right. Uh, and that's when we launched the equity crowdfunding campaign, did the 4.5 million. That's wild. Congratulations. Thank you, my dear. Kim, you're like 30 years old. 31, right? <laughs> yes, I'm 31. How are you doing all of this? Like, this is this is like next level. Like, I and have- this is just your first life. Like, this is, you know what I mean? Like, you going to do something with the company and then you going to start something else big. Like, what even, like, got you thinking like this? I have had uh, an amazing support system mm-hmm. um, since I was 16. Timothy has been my co-founder and he's done He's done all the things in the background people don't get to see. Yeah. You know what I mean? Throwing shout up the main Tim. shout out to Tim. <laughs> Throwing up the manufacturing facility. We have a thirty thousand square foot facility where we make our own products. Mm-hmm. Um, literally, an in-house chemist and lab um, kettles. A kettle is a big metal machine where you can mix thousands of units. You yeah. know, pumping lines that can do up to seventeen thousand units a day. Like we literally built the infrastructure, mm-hmm. and I, there's no way I would have ever even attempted that if he had he had not been my co-founder. Mm-hmm. Um, also, my early uh, team members, Alex and Rosa and Fred, uh, my exec team, they're like the homies. You mm-hmm. know, like, and I just I'm lucky enough to have went to a really dope high school where I met a bunch of like kids like that you know because my chemist went to high school with me also wow you know but she had like all this experience in contract manufacturing she's dope I don't know and I just think that like when people know you care about them in the community and you're doing right by people they will come and like be with you even though sometimes you go to zero and they know that they're like it's all right Kim got us she gonna make sure we get paid you know I love so let's talk about this going to zero though right okay because a lot of times and like through talking to you I realized that just just because you make more money you're a bigger company doesn't mean you're more profitable and (laughs) (laughs) and so and because it's like this stigma on the internet right Mm -hmm. on the Instagram land where everybody doing seven figures but then and now it's like seven figures is not enough, right? And because people are like, "Well, you're a millionaire, but let's see in that let's see that P and L." And I'm like, "But if you go see a P and L for a hundred million dollar company, they're probably not profitable either." So kind of talk to us a little bit about that. Oh my god. Okay. One, I was a client. Ghetto. Of Phil- <laughs> it's ghetto. You know, it's ghetto. Your bank telling you you don't have access to any of the money that you had. What? Uh, are you familiar with the Silicon Valley Bank fallout? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the, I was a client at Silicon Valley Bank. This year? This year, girl. Um, I still have an account with them, but I was transitioning banks because I didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. And because I, I just remember I got a, like a $3 million check uh, last year mm-hmm. and they wouldn't give me like a line of credit. Like they wouldn't give me no money against that money. And I was like, this what? one may write about this. Right. And I was just like, but I need to spend it or whatever. So I was just like, I'm going to, next time I'm going to be a part of a different bank or a bigger yeah. bank. And then it literally just collapsed. Like, and so how much money did you have in? Oh, like 20000 It wasn't that much. But run us our money. <laughs> but you're right. I was at South by Southwest and yeah. I had to use my personal funds because my business cards weren't working. And so. Did they tell you? like No. So when the bank failed. Like you, they they had froze all transactions, so they were still collecting deposits though. But wow. they were not letting you like use your money while they figured it out. While they were gonna see if the government was gonna you know bail them out. Oh, you in the middle of South by Southwest? 
turning up. Hey, bring me that hookah and some shots. Trying to give your card. And it was not working. You like, I'm not broke. What like, is what? this? What is this? <laughs> right. What is this? And so I say that, and I use that example to say that, like, if you are an entrepreneur and you're doing a million, you're doing 100K annually, you're doing 10 million, 20 million, mm -hmm. billion dollar banks also go to zero. Mm. So you should never feel shame for that. Mm. You should never feel shame. Um, <laughs> you, you ain't never played the game if you ain't never took a loss. I, that was on the uh, TikTok reel I was watching the other day. But <laughs> I on, have Q. gone. TikTok come on, come on. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm yes. with the girly say. No, yes. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, <Okay. old> lady. <laughs> um, no, I feel like I've been into when I crowdfunded, um, when we launched a crowdfund, we needed the money. Mm. And I didn't get the money until like three to four months later. OK, so that meant that like I had to like I had creditors calling literally my team. They had some of their personal cell phone numbers like, hey, y'all are my bad. They literally had some of their personal cell phone numbers like, hey, y'all are behind 20,000 on this bill, mm. 30,000 on this bill, 40,000 on this bill. Mm. And, you know, not everybody can deal with that. No, right? that's it. Like, that's a, a blow, an ego yeah. blow. Too. It's an ego blow, but it's also like anxiety. And it's yes. like, am I going to get paid this week? Like, what is Kim doing? I, I trusted her. I don't know. And so my, t like, I even freaked out. I think I probably like cried like profusely at one point. And like literally if we could just wait three months, I was going to have four or five million dollars in the bank. Dang. And so it's like, but we were literally negative 30,000 or whatever. You know what I mean? I had to borrow payroll from another founder. Wow. $50,000. They were going to get it back in 30 days. Yeah. But I had to borrow payroll from somebody else. And I think going to zero really helped me feel like not much can break me. You know, wow. like once you've done it once or twice, it's like, OK, this is the game I'm playing. Yeah. Now, you can't be going to zero and not working on something right. in the background, right. you know, but yeah, it happens. And small business, big business, it's a part of business. Like, how did your team react to that? Like, because I think that sometimes as a founder or a CEO, sometimes you like, especially when you have a team, like you want to keep that stuff tight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know sometimes when we go through things as a business, like, I don't want to alarm them because I'm going to figure it out. You know what I mean? But, yeah. like, the fact that, you know, I, I'm pretty sure, like, you tried to keep it and then it just kind of exploded. And I've been <laughs> in a place where they didn't react that well. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I actually had an um, accountant that she used to freak out. She was like, the bills is due. I'm like, man, I got to launch tomorrow. Like, I can't. You're freaking me out. Like, you got to calm down. Like, you. So that's a lot of anxiety and added pressure. So how did they even react? And how did they even stay with you? Bro. Okay. So that first time we were going to zero, I had about three executives of the five or six on my team mm -hmm. quit uh, within three months. So they quit because of the pressure. One of them quit because of the pressure. Another one quit because she wanted to be an entrepreneur, mm. um, which sometimes happens if you have people who are close to... Um, she quit to be an entrepreneur after she's seen... Ah, look, look. But she... Nah, I love her. She gave yeah. me three months notice. Like, she okay, worked for me. She, she worked at Chromex for two years. Yes. Like, she helped launch Force the Only. She has equity. Okay. Like, I don't... I don't shame... Like, you know, I don't no, own and anybody. Go, yeah, and yeah, go yeah. do it. I was just thinking in my head, like, there's no way that I'll be like, she broke. And I'll be <laughs> Right. I mean, like, nah, I don't I want that like, I don't want that like, my check. exactly. No, um, 
No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she became an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one um, freaked out. Like, she was just like, I can't. She literally quit in the middle of the crowdfund, um, which having your CFO quit in the middle of any kind of public offering is usually like a crazy taboo thing. Yeah. But luckily, I brought in Ephraim's team, EFS. Shout out to this is, I will forever sing their praises, okay? Yes. They help clean up my accounting. They also help me pass this audit. And my books have been spot on since that day. Wow. I've gotten compliments from investors like, who did your financials? Like, wow. they look so beautiful. <laughs> yes. I can understand everything that I'm reading. And you're... Yes. You get them so quickly and da da I'm like, mm-hmm, EFS. Um, yes. But they saved me. So that's why I didn't, I ended up passing the audit, even though she quit, mm-hmm. two weeks before the signature. Like we had mm-hmm. went through the, almost the audit. We had went through the cleanup. And, um, but what I also learned is that I could have been a better leader. I put too much on them. And so you asked me, do I tell my team when things are tight? Yeah. Um, I think how you were raised really affects how you run a company. Yeah. So my mom was the kind of mom was like, look, we ain't got it. You know, <laughs> like my one of my one of my coaches was like, you know, Kim, if you're losing the house, you don't tell your kids you're losing the house. You tell them you're downsizing. I was like, nah, nah. I I'm losing the house. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. no, but that's and honestly, like as a leader, I had to learn there's a better way to deliver those kinds of messages. Yeah. And so my, my EA actually, um, what chief of staff really, um, she said that she feels like I share too much. Mm-hmm. I overshare. And she doesn't like if I tell the team that we had a tax bill from California for $80,000, you know? Um, Cause they can't take it. Exactly. But yeah. I'm just like, money's not real. Yeah. Like these are numbers on a digital piece of like, on a digital platform, like, yeah. you know, so like, okay, we don't got it. How do we get it? You're like, that's usually where my mind goes. And they're like, well, we don't got it. What are we going to do? And it's just like, mm. you know, so I have, but my chief of staff has also come, she's seen me go to zero twice and come back from it and literally have millions to account the next day. And so she's like, okay, I believe in you now, Kim, mm-hmm. but I've had to help her manage her stress. So it's a couple of things. I had to be a better leader in delivering news. Okay. I also had to, um, learn how to watch my books better and budget better. But then I also have to get my team to understand the risk that we are all taking and all playing in. Mm -hmm. And that like, this is not the secure comfort corporate job that you're used to, Mm -hmm. but that's because it also has a bigger reward. You're not, you don't have equity at Deloitte. You know what I mean? But you probably gonna get paid every two weeks. It's going to be the same. It's not going to go up crazy. It's going to be your same 70 K. Okay. But if you work at Curl Mix, you might make 70 to 90. Uh, for a while, it's not going to go up. But hey, if there's an event, a liquidity event at the end of this, you know, you might be a millionaire. So they actually, they have equity in the company. My exec team, yeah. Oh, wow. And my chief of staff. Because they they literally could run their own million dollar businesses. I and the that. only way I can keep them yeah. is by making sure that they benefit from the outcome. But also, I also got this lesson from an entrepreneur who sold his company for like, I don't know, 80 plus million dollars. Mm-hmm. He was saying that from zero to 20 million is life changing money. Mm. 20 to 40 million because he was saying like you might buy a different house right from zero to 20 million you might have a different car mm. 20 to 40 million you might have an even better house and an even better car mm. but he's like after 40 million anything up to 100 million is ego because mm. you're not gonna know how to spend that money right like if you ever sat down and tried to figure out how to spend 10 million dollars most of it is just investments right it's like okay you bought your million dollar house two million dollar house and you bought the nice car then what 
And it's like, oh, I'm invested in this over here, and I'm invested in this project and this project. To do what? To make more money? Yeah. I was like, this is a scam. Yes. (laughs) This is a scam. I should be living. Uh, I should be living. So for me, it's just like, I just want my team to be millionaires with me, you know? I love it. What good is first class if the homies can't sit? Come on. Come on. No, I love that. And so your thought process with the company is in a, when, like, do you plan on selling? So I raised 4.5 million from 7,000 customers. Okay. They want their money back Mm. and they want a return. Yeah. I cannot be like, I took y'all money. I'm going to go on and build my shrine to myself for the next 50 years. And you've lost this $4.5 million. No, I want them to get a return on their money. So at some point I do expect there to either be an IPO Mm -hmm. or a sale. So okay. that I can return my invest their investment to them. And I love that it's like them first. Like you're not even thinking about it because the and the reason why I say that is because a lot of times black women get a lot of slack for selling their companies. Mm-hmm. So are you afraid of that? Like are you afraid of that backlash? I think that your sale is very people oriented. So you would probably do a lot of press and a lot of, you know, education on like why I'm doing it. But do you are you afraid of the backlash that you possibly could get from selling? You know, people think that generational wealth is built because you build a business Mm -hmm. and it is not. Mm -hmm. It is built when you sell a business. Mm -hmm. And so for me, as long as the people, the reason that black women get backlash from selling these companies is because they built it on the backs of black people, Mm -hmm. but they get nothing in the sale. Mm. Like if I've been buying your products for years, I didn't spend thousands of dollars with you. You sell your company and I don't get nothing. Yeah. Then yeah, I feel like you kind of slighted stole something. Me. Exactly. Yeah. I feel slighted. Um, but if I've been buying your product for thousands of years, I mean, I spent a thousand dollars on your company or mm-hmm. thousands. I've been buying it for years and I own a small piece of the equity in the company. Mm-hmm. And so when it sells, I make five or $10,000. Mm-hmm. Now I'm celebrating you. Go ahead, girl. Do your thing. I liked it. Right. Like, and now I'm happy for you. Exactly. Because I also, we're selfish. Everybody is self-interested. <laughs> you, that's the game. About it, like, people are, are really, humans are selfish, right? But now I'm thinking about like just the, so I don't know if this could actually work, but you know, my entrepreneur brain, like I was like, oh, could it be where if you had a product based company when anytime somebody bought a product, they could get a, maybe like a PC, PC, uh, piece of equity. Yes, but the thing is, if you do one of those offerings, so we use, so you could use like a WeFunder, which is what we used, or Star Engine. They have timed, they have time gotcha. windows. Gotcha. So you can't, like, they can't leave the offering open forever. Now they yeah. can make new offerings every year, right. but that's a lot of work. Right. Um, because then you have to do audits and all these other things. So they gotcha. can do it for a period of time and okay. then close it. So, gotcha. but yes, you could do that. Because my thought is like, okay, so now can we start thinking about it differently? Like about, you know, how can we serve the clients once we do leave? Because I truly feel like the goal is to sell, right? Mm-hmm. Like you should sell your companies and you should start by trying to think about that, right? But how can we not as black? Because I don't think black men get this backlash. Mm. I don't think... Um, white men get this back. Like, I really think it's just like black, like it's like a mama thing. Like, mom, you sold our house. Like, how you know what I'm saying? Like, people just really don't like it. And and I think it's a lot of um and I, I think um I think her name is Nicole. Nicole. She wrote a post about people don't talk about she had a, a brand, Hello Nicole, and she sold it and she said people don't talk about um the other side of it as the CEO or the founder that sold the company, the heartbreak that actually Mm. comes with it, you know? And I was like, dang, you know, we did not think about that, you know? And there's not a lot of people that you can even like 
talk to about this, you know? I ask founders who have um, big exits all the time if they were depressed after. Mm. That's like my number one question. Yeah. How are the golden handcuffs? Because they typically have to stay there for a few years and they probably don't want to. Yeah. Were you depressed? Um, and how'd your customers respond? Um, that's always my, you know, my ask. Um, I do feel like cancel culture is real. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people want to help you ride the wave there. And then when you get there, <laughs> uh, or ride the wave, you know, ride the cliff. And then when you get there, they're just kind of like, ah, oh, we... You're not one of us anymore. Right. You've 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 achieved a level of success that's too far and above. Um, and I do think that people criticize black women more. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it, it can even be us criticizing ourselves uh, yeah, too much. True. You know, um, the why? I don't know. I mean, everything is self interested at the end of the day, right? So it's it's probably something to do with self. Yeah. You know what I mean? How I view myself. If I want that same thing from you, but to, to me, I think too, a lot of people don't bring people with them. And that is also part of the problem. It's like, okay, you 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 made it out scot free, mm-hmm. but like you didn't bring nobody you. with you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think when people bring other people with them, they don't have the problem. Now, what I will say is, no one's really done that in the hair care space. They haven't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, given everybody equity, and you know, everybody, you made a bunch of millionaires when you because here's yeah. what happened, right? Black people are the largest employers of black people. Mm-hmm. So if more of us are millionaires and building businesses. Mm-hmm. And say my exec team, the six of us, we go out and we're all millionaires. And now they can start several businesses mm-hmm. where they're going to employ black people. Right. And it's like, how many jobs did we create from that exit? Right. Mm-hmm. Like we we'll probably create another 100, 200, 300 exactly. jobs from the liquidity event that could be, you know. So exactly. I just I think people don't think that way. No. Most people are not operating that way. And right. so then you get the backlash. Are you one of the only uh, founders that have crowdfunded in the hair care space? Yes. They're, wow. Or the largest. And they're people who First came after all, us. First of all, Kim, take your flowers. <laughs> like, I just got mad. Oh, I've never heard you say that. I'm working on my PR, okay? <laughs> I'm working on it. Put it in the bio. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but no, that's amazing. And, I, and even just to hear the story and the why behind it. You know what I'm saying? Like, really... Um, I think some people are listening to this and like, okay, I'm ready to invest. They're, like, you're going to get some checks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thank you, so, I appreciate um, that. I, I'm excited about what you're about to accomplish because, like I said, this is just the first, your first life, right? Like, this is the first business of, because I've heard you say, like, you want to be the Procter Gamble and Gamble of hair care, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I know that this is just, like, the first season of this. So, before we go, we always have a segment and... I have a question and I think the the people want to know, right? Because being a CEO is very much ghetto. It's ghetto, but I don't think that we would trade it for the world, mm-hmm. right? A lot of us even started in the other on the other side and we chose this life. But um, you know, we're here now. But my question to you is like, what is the worst advice you have received as a CEO? The worst, the advice. worst advice. Oh, not to give my team equity. Mm. I, people tell me you're too generous you should not that is you know why would you do that like oh like and they were just I remember <laughs> I remember trying to give my executive team equity and then they were like uh, I was like I want to give them like a whole percent just like uh, that's a bit rich you should do 0.25 um mm. and I was like but this person has literally been working here for 
so many years and they've literally right. done X, Y, and Z. And, or like my chemist, we can't make any formulas without her. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And they're like, ah, like she could work somewhere else and she wouldn't get anything. And I was just like, ah, like, you know, right. but I can't, I can't go to sleep like that. Yeah. So that was like some, I literally, people tell me not to do the things and I just like, no, I don't do that. I'm do it anyway. You know? I love that. And like I said, keeping the people first. Mm-hmm. Listen, y'all, this has been a good episode. Kim, where, how can I stay connected to you and what, advice would you give to a CEO that's like this is ghetto I'm about to stop I don't want to do this anymore um what advice would you give them I think there are people who are natural entrepreneurs I think there are people who are not Mm -hmm. and I think if you started and you've been doing it for a while you are a natural entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and you can will yourself to success I, I truly believe that I feel like that is my story iterate 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 you know um you can find me at Kim Lewis CEO Yes.com and on Instagram and on TikTok. Yes. And what would you say to the person that's like at zero right now? Go take a walk, sit in some sun and think about your next move. Uh, you need, you are a plant. <laughs> you, yeah. you need sun, water and food. And when I was at zero, it, I didn't feel like I was at zero. Mm. And you don't have to feel like you're at zero just because you're at zero. Mm. You do not. And so... Find some joy and then figure out how to get your money back. I love that. Y'all, that is the Kim Lewis. Okay. <laughs> y'all, thank y'all for listening to this episode of the Ghetto CEO Podcast. Um, make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Also, make sure you leave us a rating in all the podcasts. Like, go up to all of them. Apple, Spotify, go to all of them, right? And um, comment there and just let them know. Leave a review so they can know how amazing this show is. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.